Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to this installment of the Steel Conversation. My name is Brian Diardo. Hopefully you guys are enjoying yourselves wherever you are, enjoying the off season, even though there there really isn't one. Uh if you follow the Steelers uh, like a diehard fan as most of you do. Um once again wanted to introduce myself. My name is Brian Diardo. I work on four Steelers on twenty four seven sports. This is my fourth off season doing the job. Um, covering the Steelers on a full-time basis. Really like uh, this opportunity to write about a team I grew up uh, cheering for, and now I've turned it into a profession, which kind of takes away the fanness in you, which is kind of the unfortunate part of doing this. But if you uh, want to know about the Steelers, 365, 24-7, no pun intended, check out our website at pit.247sports.com for all of your news regarding the Pittsburgh Steelers, and uh, as I said, hopefully you're enjoying your off season. Uh, and again, it's not like there really is one uh, with regard to the Steelers. Um, and this off season has certainly not been an exception. Um, the Steelers have had a very noteworthy off season. It, it started right away. It started with, I think, around New Year's. I think it was was actually New Year's Day or New Year's Eve when the reports came out that Antonio Brown was unhappy, wanted to be traded. Um, ben Roethlisberger was asked on his season-ending radio show on 93.7 um, whether or not uh, he knew if Brown was going to come back or not or if he wanted to come back or not. And, and Ben said he didn't know, but he, he knew that he wanted Brown back. And there was the report about the altercation that may or may not have taken place between them during one of the final practices of the season. It was a Wednesday practice. The report was that Brown got mad at Ben because Ben was mad at him over a misrun route. Brown threw the ball at him or in his direction and yelled obscenities, and that was it. He didn't come back. And um, I'm not sure how much people still want to talk about the Brown situation. Um, that's how I was going to start the podcast, just kind of, um, kind of putting that to bed, so to speak. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, Brown is gone. That was kind of the end result. But it was it was a 10-week um, ordeal that consumed the first 10 weeks of the Pittsburgh Steelers offseason. Um, you know, Brown, you know, unfollowing the Steelers on social media, then following them, and then, uh, you know, openly flirting with the 49ers. That was the team that he wanted to, to, to play for, you know, apparently um, – you know, then there, you know, there was hope at some point there that they might reconcile. If you remember, Brown had that, you know, thanks Steeler Nation for their support and said this is a thank you but not a goodbye. And he started to think that things could be kind of going in the right direction. And then all of a sudden he started attacking Ben on social media. Then he went on LeBron James' show. And then it was just kind of like, okay, this is, this is not going to happen. Um, and then he actually formally, uh, the day he – he did not show up to Pittsburgh to pay his speeding ticket. As everybody remembers, his, him going 100 miles an hour on McKnight Road. That was the day that he just said, I want to be traded. And he had that thank you video on, on Instagram and Twitter and everything. And at that point, it was officially over. And that was about, uh, I don't know, five, six weeks, six weeks into it. And so it went on another month, whether or not he'd be traded, when would he be traded, who would he be traded to. Him and Colbert shortly after that tweet, and uh, and Art Rooney, they all met down in Florida at the airport, and they agreed to, to part. And uh, there's there was that photo of Antonio and Rooney that 
a lot of Steeler fans took issue with. I really didn't care personally. Um, I thought in these situations, I thought it continuously made the Steelers look good because um, they never lashed out at Brown publicly. Um, they never said anything disparaging about him, even when he was saying disparaging things about them, that they don't care about you, the whole meal ticket stuff, him going after Kevin Colbert. The Steelers never um, stooped to his level in that regard. Um, you know, and, and the same thing with Ben. He's, he's continued to be quiet. You've had Brown. You've had several other former players, even though it's like, you know, Isaac Redman has even retracted one of his statements because there was a Sports Illustrated article with him, and Richard Mendenhall had some weird tweets one night. Um, so, you know, there was, there was Josh Harris, you know, running back, had a cup of coffee in Pittsburgh one season, had things to say. I mean, it was bad journalism, I'll just say it, in, in that article. Um, so you had that, and then honestly, in my opinion, I think the darkest moment for me was Super Bowl week because that's when all the former players are trying to sell something and you've got, you know, Jerome Bettis doing the Super Bowl media circuit and Heinz Ward and, you know, Juju has to answer about it. And, and it was just all very negative. You know, Bettis kind of saying it's really a shame what's happened with the organization and, and, and Heinz Ward had some even harsher things to say, kind of, I think he threw around the word embarrassed um, and, you know, dark times for the organization, stuff like that. So it was just kind of like, man, like, there's just not any positivity surrounding this team. And then on top of all of it, New England, you know, won the sixth Super Bowl, um, which I think Steeler fans at this point were just kind of like, whatever. You know, it's like if we're not going to get it done, then we can't keep waiting around for New England to to, to not win it. It get, You know, it gets to a point when, you know, if it's been, you know, if you can't get it done, I mean, eventually somebody else is going to do it. It's like when the Steelers won four and they stood as the only team to win four for a full decade. I mean, at some point someone's going to catch you if you just remain stagnant. So I think, you know, when the, when the Steelers did win it in 17, when Shazier got hurt and all the things kind of went away from them, but, but New England didn't win. It was almost kind of like a push, I felt like. You know, Steelers fans were upset that, that their team didn't win it, but they were also relieved that New England didn't win it. So it was kind of like a push. And then this year, you know, the Steelers went one way, New England went another way, literally after Pittsburgh beat them week 15. The Steelers went one way. New England went another way. They won the Super Bowl. Pittsburgh missed the playoffs. But, uh, I mean, really, they played well against New Orleans, well enough to win the Steelers in week 16. They just had some calls go against them. So, you know, they finally do, you know, trade Brown to Oakland. Um, there was that couple of, you know, a couple of hours Thursday night, depending on what time you went to bed that night, uh, where you thought that Brown was a Buffalo Bill. I, I actually wrote the report that Ian Rappaport had that Brown was going to uh, retire are going to be traded to the to the Bills. I don't remember. I don't. They didn't really. I don't think they. I don't think they disclosed what the draft pick was. Uh, and then I think around like three o'clock or in the morning, Adam Schefter, maybe even earlier, Adam Schefter was tweeting, "Hey, this isn't a done deal yet." And then by about when I woke up around six thirty seven a.m., I realized, okay, this is not even close to a done deal. And it, apparently, it just it came out that the Bills weren't willing to give up what the Steelers wanted, which I think was a first or second round pick. So then all of a sudden he was still out there. And by the end of the weekend, that was on a Friday morning, late Thursday night, early Friday morning. By Sunday it had been done, done deal. Like late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, it was a done deal that he was going to Oakland. And then it was just a matter of time until the actual trade deadline was, was open. 
and then they could do it. And uh, as soon as it opened, they traded him. They got their third and fifth round pick. I, the Steelers wanted a second round pick, but um, they had to settle a little bit. And, and obviously, you know, Brown's age, um, he still was a great receiver last year, led the league with 15 touchdowns. But, uh, um, you know, the receiving yards was down for him. It was the second lowest output for him since he kind of started on this tear in 2013. Um, obviously, he only played in 15 games, missed games. So that obviously played a role in, in the quote-unquote lack of – or the diminishing statistics. But, uh, you know, so that was over. Um, now, Brown has kind of had a few – you know, he's kind of taken a couple of more shots at the Steelers since. I, I do think he's calmed down since he kind of went after Juju back in April. Um, about a month ago uh, from this podcast. Uh, ever since then, I think he's kind of just I, – I, I don't know what what happened. Um, I think he kind of realized, okay, if I actually want to have a legacy in Pittsburgh, I need to stop this. Maybe the Raiders talked to him. Maybe his agent talked to him. Maybe it was both. But I think he realized, okay um, – and I could be wrong. Every time I think that Antonio's kind of moved in one direction, kind of unfortunately goes the other way. Um, on a personal note, you know, I, I'm pulling for him. I, I hope he does well in Oakland. Um, you know, I, I think for me, uh, the only way that this would turn out bad is if the Steelers cannot produce without him. And he has more success in Oakland than the Steelers have without him. Uh, and ultimately, it's about winning Super Bowls. If AB goes to Oakland and has a bunch of success but doesn't win a ring, does it really matter? Not really. I mean, especially if Pittsburgh goes and gets a ring and Antonio continues. I mean, the ideal situation is Antonio continues to put up prolific numbers. He's happy. He's getting paid. He's the star there. He wanted to be – he wants to be in Oakland with Ben is in Pittsburgh, just a revered leader that's the unquestioned leader. I mean, he was never uh, Ben's status uh, with regard – I mean, now, was he as beloved uh, with the fans? Maybe. I mean, I think there are obviously a lot of fans that – would have said the last five years that Brown was their favorite stealer. But within that building, Ben was the unquestioned leader. And, and I think actually Brown made some really good points um, with regard to um, the way Ben's treated versus the rest of the team. But the way he went about it was just so bad that it made any type of listening to his rationale impossible. You know, and I think that is the lesson to be learned in this whole thing is that there's a way to do things the right way and there's the wrong way to do things. And he, you know, he just should have finished out the season. Uh, and it's easier said than done. And we've all had moments where we were hot-headed and, and did something irrational and we regretted it immediately. I don't – but I think that's the other thing too. Brown has never shown any remorse or, you know, I did something wrong here or I didn't do things the right way. I mean – and I'm sure he would, in his mind, I would imagine there is a, man, I wish I would have done one or two things differently. Um, maybe one day he'll publicly acknowledge that. And I think he will one day. I think one day there will be a coming together with the Steelers. He was he was too good of a player. I mean, Rod Woodson kind of comes to mind. It was obviously a way different situation. Rod was based on money, and, and you know the Steelers really weren't sure if he was going to continue to be a really good player at that point coming off an injury. Was a Pro Bowler, Woodson in '96, his last year in Pittsburgh, but wasn't quite the player that he had been. Um, the Steelers only offered him a one-year deal; it wasn't for that much money, so Woodson left. Um, but there were hurt feelings on both sides, and ultimately, you know, Woodson is, you know, he's in the Hall of Honor, and 
he's a beloved Steeler. So um, maybe one day that can be Brown's situation. But and I've written this several times. You know that healing process will only start when Brown allows it to start. And um, the Steelers, to, to their credit, have not ignited any kind of fires here. They, you know, Brown didn't get to go to the Patriots. He didn't get to go to a team that the Rams. You know, they sent him to a team that that was four and twelve. But he's going to have – he has a franchise quarterback. That's one thing that he wanted. Um, he wanted to play for an offensive-minded coach in John Gruden. He got that. Um, he's on a team that with Mystique. You know, the Raiders, even though they haven't been good for a while, they do have three Super Bowl championships, and there was a 20-year stretch where they were one of the best franchises in professional sports in terms of winning, not just the NFL. Like, we're talking professional sports. Um, so he can help that. He can help build that back. And he'll, for the first time in a long time, he'll be, he'll be playing in a season where going to the Super Bowl will not be an expectation. If they go to the playoffs, that would be a great season. So maybe for him that's kind of what he's looking for too. Um, you know, his, his press conference in Oakland, I, the first one, I watched the whole thing. Not once did he mention Super Bowl. Um, maybe he doesn't want a Super Bowl that much. I think it's something that he certainly would like. But I don't, I don't think that was ever really what drove him um, all the way. I think it was mostly just to continue to prove his greatness. And if the Steelers won, then by, you know, that was better. And obviously I think he what is a competitor and does want to win. You know, he wouldn't have battled so hard in some of those games. I'm I'm right now recalling the Bengals wild card game in fifteen where fourth down late in the game he's making these clutch plays and he's laying himself out there, allowing himself to absorb those kind of hits like the one that Burford gave him that can cuss him. He probably wouldn't have gone through those things if he didn't care about winning. Um, but that being said, was it the most important thing? I, I don't know. But regardless, he's gone, and then the Steelers, you know, did not – I don't – I mean, there's no off, There's no reports out there that, that the Steelers made any kind of offer towards Bell. You know, even though Colbert didn't want to show his hand, the Steelers GM, Kevin Colbert, um, prior to tra- uh, um, the trading block opening. Uh, but Bell was snatched up, you know, right around midnight when the, dra- or when the, the first night of, of free agency started. Um, and I think Bell got a decent deal. I mean, for taking the year off, you know, it was four years, around $52 million with incentives. He can get up to 51 Guaranteed money was over 30 So I think it was, for Bell, a compromise. You know, it wasn't the long-term length and money that, as what he, you know, what he would have gotten last year, whether it was from Pittsburgh or somebody else. But he took his year off. He made sure that he was going to be healthy for this free agency period. He's going to a team – Kind of like Antonio. He's going to a team that um, is not very good, but they're young. They've got a youth movement. They've got a young quarterback. Obviously, Donald is not as uh, accomplished in the NFL as Carr. He's only going into his second year. I feel like with Carr, you, you, I mean, you're getting to a point where you're, you got. I mean, you're seeing his ceiling now. Now, like like Ben. I mean, Ben's had. I mean, most of Ben's better seasons have been in his 30s. So quarterbacks do have that tendency as they get older to mature and and the game continues to slow down and their, you know, their mastery of an offense just continues. And, and with John Gruden, I mean, that should only continue to get, you know, to increase for Carr, his intelligence and being able to, what he sees on a field and reading defenses and everything. So, you know, so yeah, I mean, but, but there is going to be a point with Carr where it's like, all right, I think we've seen his ceiling. With Sam Darnold, you know, we don't know his ceiling, and obviously Bell is only going to help him. So, you know, they're both respected leaders on young teams, and I think that's kind of what they both want. I think they both kind of wanted to be the Ben of their teams. 
So they got that and then got his extension, which happened just before the draft. And I think that was one thing that was kind of, you know, in March there were reports it was going to happen in March, and then when it didn't it was kind of like, all right, when is this going to get done? I don't think anybody expected it to go into late April. But I think um, there was some, I don't want to say tough negotiations, but I think there was healthy back and forth between Ben's reps and the Steelers. And I think, you know, I don't think Ben was trying to take him to the cleaners. I don't think he was trying to get Russell Wilson money. Uh, Russell Wilson, Seattle's quarterback, if you didn't know, got a deal this offseason that made him the highest paid quarterback in league history, maybe the highest paid player in league history, um, I think. Uh, I don't, you know, Ben, that was never Ben's objective. You know, Ben still wants to get a Super Bowl. That still is number one objective. He wanted to make sure that the Steelers, he could get compensated. The ultimate goal was Ben could get compensated. He could get the years extended that he wanted, two years, three total remaining. And he wanted to still give the Steelers some flexibility that they could still build a championship caliber roster around him. So I think everybody won. Um, so they did that. They were able to extend Ramon Foster's contract. They're able to keep Anthony Chicolo. They lost LJ4. I personally don't think that was a huge loss. I mean, depth, sure, because he, you know, he played well um, the Steelers' regular season finale. But in my mind, I think I personally think the reason why Fort left was, you know, at some point, you know, I, I think maybe he thought that the Steelers are always going to kind of look at him as a as a backup um, and kind of look at him in that role. And maybe, you know, Philadelphia, I'm sure that's the team he signed with, you know, wind him, dined him, told him, you know, wh- how they envision him. And maybe that was the situation. I think anybody in any job, maybe you relate to that, where you, you kind of start in one role, you kind of battle in that role, um, and you never really get a promotion. I mean, LJ Fort was always that guy that you saw in the preseason a bunch, and then the regular season started, and you were like, you know, why isn't this guy out there? And it was because he was toiling on special teams, and the Steelers always gave him take, you know, Matic Takovich and, and other guys those opportunities, and he wasn't getting them. So, you know, case in point, when Shazier went down in 17, I mean, that was the moment that O.J. Ford should have been in there ready to go, and instead the Steelers go out and, then, you know, get a get a linebacker that hadn't played the whole year, so or since October or something like that. So, I mean, it was Sean Spence, I think, is who they went and got. So, you know, I, I – I think that was it for Ford. So they lose Ford, um, you know, but they signed a bunch of undrafted, uh, or I'm sorry, they, they signed a bunch of free agents, you know, in January, Deontay Spencer, an interesting story, a wide receiver, um, played in another league, I think in, in Canada. Um, interesting story, was a part of rookie minicamp. They signed uh, Brogan Roback, who actually just lost his quarterback battle during rookie minicamp, but we'll get to that. Uh, but in free agency, actual free agency, you know, they lose Bell, they lose, they trade Brown, but they're able to get Steven Nelson, who uh, I I thought, you know, I kind of, me and a couple other reporters kind of had pegged that they might get uh, leading up to, to, to free agency. Had four interceptions last year for Kansas City, 15 pass breakups. Um, but that also means he was thrown at a lot. He did switch cornerback positions, played more in the slot. He said he really liked it, gave him a chance to be more of a ball hawk. And, again, the Steelers only had eight interceptions last year. They're minus 11 in turnover ratio. They were 28th in the league in both of those categories. So, you know, they, they definitely needed an upgrade at cornerback. And Artie Burns, as most Steelers fans know, 
had a very disappointing 2018 season, lost his starting job, and now is going into his last year under contract. The Steelers did not pick up his fifth-year option earlier this month. So he now is going in to a lame duck season where it, it's pretty much now or never for him. Um, I definitely think, like Jarvis Jones, he'll get another you know, chance somewhere else. Um, you know, most number one picks get, you know, another one-year deal somewhere else just to see, okay, does, does the guy just need another change of scenery? So this won't be it for Artie Burns. Um, it, it's probably going to be it in Pittsburgh, but I don't think it'll be it for him in his NFL career. I, I, I'm sure he'll get one more opportunity somewhere else if he doesn't have a, a renaissance bounce back year this year. Um, so they get Nelson. So now, um, you know, they're going to go in most likely with Nelson and Joe Hayden as your starting corners, which is, is an upgrade from last year. Um, and then they get Dante Moncrief, a veteran wide receiver, uh, spent one year with Jacksonville and actually had decent numbers considering the Jackson. He was playing with Blake Bortles, who had a, you know, he already wasn't a great quarterback, but he certainly played above his means in 17, getting Jacksonville to within a few plays of a Super Bowl. Uh, he regressed last year. The Jaguars regressed last year. Uh, Moncrief still put up decent. I mean, his numbers were decent. Um, but, you know, he really did well uh, when he played with Andrew Luck his first four years in Indianapolis. Um, you know, he was never a 1,000-yard guy, but but definitely had some seasons where he was up in the eight 900-yard range. Um, definitely, you know, brings, a, you know, reliable, you know, aura with him. You know, had 20 touchdowns his first uh, five NFL seasons. Um, you know, was a reliable weapon for luck. His first career touchdown was against Pittsburgh. He had that big touchdown uh, when the Colts nearly upset the, the Steelers in 2017, midway through the season in Indianapolis. Um, I think he beat Artie Burns in that touchdown. But, you know, so, yeah, he's a dynamic guy. He can make tough catches. And, and the, kind of the irony now is um, he'll be one of, if not the oldest receiver in the room because Brown's gone. Steeler Bay's gone, so those are your 30-plus-year-old guys. Um, I think he's 25, 26, so, I mean, he's the oldest guy in the room. Um, so, depending on who remains on the roster. So, you know, the uh, well, Eli Rogers would be, but, I mean, in terms of, I think, overall veteran leadership, I mean, Moncrief is the more proven receiver. Um, they did give Eli a two-year extension, with e which Eli deserved. I mean, Eli – really battled back after suffering that injury. I mean, he's a fighter. I mean, this is a guy that was undrafted, was never showcased at Louisville, but still put up decent numbers there, um, toiled through injuries, and was on the practice squad his entire rookie season. And then when um, Plexco got suspended for all 16, he stepped up. And if it wasn't for him, the Steelers probably don't even make the playoffs in 16. They start with a 4-5 and five record. Um, they need somebody else to, to take the pressure off of Antonio Brown. I mean, Pittsburgh's Top three receivers that year, not including Le'Veon Bell, were um, Kobe Hamilton, um, who I don't think is, has played in a, in a regular season game since leaving Pittsburgh after that season, and Eli Rogers. I mean, Eli had a game-winning touchdown catch uh, in week 15 of that season against Cincinnati. I mean, again, they just made the playoffs that year, and they ended up going to an AFC championship game. So, um, And this is what I was saying to somebody else before I got on this podcast. Um, the Steelers, talent-wise, I think right now are better than they were in 16. Again, the major loss is Ryan Shazier but, and Antonio Brown. 
Um, but we'll, we'll get to that later. So they got Moncrief, they got Nelson, then they get Mark Barron. And, uh, you know, this is a depth signing for sure. And this was, uh, and again, an, an upgrade from LJ Ford. And really the sneaky statistic about LJ Ford is he's about 30 years old. I think he's 29. So, you know, and, and me included, I mean, I think there was just kind of this thought that because you always saw Ford on special teams and because he was always kind of an up-and-comer guy, there was always this thought that he was younger than he is. I mean, no, I mean, he fought for a long time. I mean, he was on, you know, with the Browns, and he had been trying to get, um, you know, uh, onto an NFL roster for a while, kind of a James Harrison story, but it took Ford even longer. So, you know, Barron's a little bit older. He just turned 30. Um, a converted safety now plays linebacker. That's why he wears 26, and he will wear 26 for the Steelers. So, uh, no, it won't be Benny Snell, the running back, wearing 26. It will be Mark Barron. Um, you know, but but yeah, I mean, he's an athletic guy. He's kind of this new era of linebacker, hybrid guy. Uh, can can you know help in the secondary? He's a veteran. He's, you know, the Steelers need need more veteran pre. You know, they need more of a veteran presence everywhere. And now, I mean. Uh, there's only a couple. I mean, Ben's the only Steeler that has Super Bowl experience playing for the Steelers. Uh, Barron is the only other one. Uh, you know, he helped the Rams go to a Super Bowl last year. So, you know, they get him. But I think when you look at the expectations for each of the guys, I mean, Barron, you know, his tangibles, he's kind of the new breed of linebacker in the NFL that you need more of. He can provide key depth. Um, and, you know, if Devin Bush – uh, isn't ready to go early in the season. Now there's not as much pressure on him because they have Mark Barron. Um, Nelson is expected to start right away, uh, and Moncrief is expected to compete for the two or three position. If Moncrief is your number two this year, um, I'm not saying it's a terrible thing because I, I, that would be a disservice to Moncrief, but I wouldn't really feel good about it because you want to see James Washington step up and get that spot, or you want to see Deontay Johnson surprise you and fight for that spot. If Moncrief gets the two and it's pretty easy, um, that would be a scary thing, in my opinion, for the Steelers. So, so that takes you into the draft. And uh, the Steelers, um, this was really the first year where you weren't positive where they were going. I mean, you knew in, in 16 it was going to be a cornerback. Uh, the year before, it, you knew they were going outside linebacker when they took Dupree. You knew they wanted an outside linebacker in 17 when they took Watt. And you knew uh, – and 18, kind of where they were going as well. But this year, you really, you really didn't know. You really weren't sure where they were going to go. Um, 18, you kind of had a thought about safety. You, no one really knew it was going to be Edmonds, though. So, uh, so when you look at the Steelers' draft, you, you knew they were going to draft up. You knew they had the assets too. They had 10 draft picks, um, and you, you knew early they liked Devin Bush. That was the early kind of talk. He was actually the guy that Mel Kuyper uh, tabbed in, in his uh, first mock draft. He ended up doing, what, seven or eight? But the first one, he had the Steelers taking Bush. Uh, and, you know, when if you follow the Steelers draft trail, pre-draft trail, it starts with Bush, and then it gets murky. You know, you hear, oh, they might dra- trade up to get T.J. Hawkinson. They really like him, the tight end from Iowa. Or you heard that. You know, they love DeAndre Baker from Georgia, the corner. You know, you heard all these things. Or, you know, there are even some articles, oh, they, you know, they may actually go receiver, get A.J. Brown. Even A.J. Brown tweeted the Steelers and said, you know, I'll be the new A.B., all this. But at the end of the day, it came back to Bush. And the Steelers ultimately did trade up 
uh, into the top ten, the tenth spot. Um, they they had to trade their second round pick, 52 overall, but they they used. I mean, ultimately they had Brown in in that trade, or that pick at 66th overall. So, you know, really to go up to ten, they 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 moved up uh, what ten spots to get Bush. He wouldn't have been there at 20, and you you give up 14 spots in the next round. Um, and they still got Deontay Johnson. So ultimately, um, now they, they they didn't miss out on getting, was it Winovich, the linebacker uh, from Michigan that the Steelers are really high on, a local kid, Pittsburgh kid, ended up going to New England. I think that one kind of hurt. Well, he actually was 77, but the Steelers didn't think Deontay was going to, because the Steelers had the 66 and 83rd picks in the, in the second or in the third round. I think they would have went Winovich at 66, but they knew that, that Deontay wasn't going to be there at 83 because Tampa Bay was probably going to get him right afterwards. The Steelers didn't get him at 66, so the Steelers took a chance. But Justin Lane was there at 83. So Winovich is the guy they missed out on, but Sutton Smith, uh, one of their three six-round picks from uh, Northern Illinois, if he pans out, no one's going to care about Winovich because they eventually got their edge rusher. So if that was a little confusing – Let's rewind a little bit, take a deep breath, and and let's go back and and revise and review the Steelers' first three picks again. So they get Bush, the guy they wanted from the start, the hybrid inside linebacker from Michigan, the All-American, the 2018 defensive Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, um, the guy that is the new era uh, of inside linebacker, kind of the guy the Steelers initially thought of when they went with Shazier back in 14. Again. Not saying it's going to be Shazier. Devin Bush, that's kind of been his ongoing narrative is that I'm not going to be the next Ryan Shazier. I'm going to be the first Devin Bush. But they still want Bush to kind of wreak the same havoc, be the same player that Shazier was. Tomlin has spent lots of time with him. Tomlin's son, who ultimately is going to be playing for Maryland as a receiver, he attended a camp in Michigan, and Tomlin went with him. I found this out actually reading Jim Wexel's article on 24-7 Sports, which you can find on our website. Um, you know, Tom was also there to get not, you know, to, to know more about Devin Bush and those two, you know, uh, you know, they had dinner together with Colbert before the draft and, uh, you know, they, they felt really good about Devin Bush, both the, the tangibles and the intangibles. So they made him their pick and, you know, he definitely is going to be the guy that, that there's going to be a high expectations on right away. And I think the Steelers will ex- definitely expect him to make an immediate impact and inside linebackers typically do. I mean, you saw it with, with Mac, uh, with Oakland, and then when he went to Chicago. I mean, he was a uh, – Khalil Mack was, a, was an impact guy right away for Chicago. You need any time to get used to anything. You know, running backs and inside linebackers and receivers can usually make an impact pretty quickly. Quarterbacks like Big Ben as a rookie, that's incredibly rare, even though it does happen. You know, Ben, Marino, you know, whatever. You know, there's probably some other examples out there. But usually – Quarterbacks, you know, need need a little offensive linemen. You need a little bit more time to develop. Um, cornerbacks as well. So then they get Deontay Johnson, um, and I, I like that one. Again, you know, statistics aren't really there with him. Um, his 2017 campaign, the statistics were there. The numbers dropped back a little bit last year, but in general, Toledo they did go through a quarterback change, so I'm sure that hurt them. They weren't nearly as good of a team last year. They won the MAC in 17. They were just one game over 500 last year. So, you know, I think that was certainly, you know, impacted his statistics. That being said, 
He was still the 2018 Special Teams Player of the Year at Toledo. Um, he did catch 23 touchdown passes his last three seasons. He overcame uh, a foot surgery uh, and had to retake the ACT in 2016, which is why he played in 15, didn't play in 16. And I think that is also the impressive thing. This is a guy that faced adversity in college, came back strong, and, and did well. Um, so the question is, is he going to be more like a Juju as a rookie or more like a James Washington? I think he'll be somewhere in between. I think he'll, he'll be a productive rookie, but I don't think you should ever go in and expect any rookie to have the type of season that Juju had. That being said, I, I don't think he'll have I, – I think that Juju overachieved, and I think Washington obviously underachieved, and I'll be safe, and I'll say that Deontay will be somewhere in the middle, and I think he'll do some things in the kick return game. So then that takes us to Justin Lane. Um I like Justin Lane. He's 6'3", he's 185. He's a bigger physical type of corner. Um, he'll probably have to put on some weight, but he's got the look. Um, deflected 24 passes, including 15 last year. You like those things for sure. Only had three interceptions. One each season is three years with Michigan State. That's going to be the question, whether or not he can actually get interceptions. Because, But that being said, I like the fact that the Steelers, I mean, it seems like, without knowing for sure, that Kevin Colbert the last couple of years with corners just looks at the interception tally and says, oh, let's just – they can intercept the ball, let's draft them. You know, uh, the fabled 2015 draft when they drafted three corners and did, I don't know if any of them played a game with the Steelers. They drafted a Louisville corner in seventh round that had like, what, 14 picks that year in college at Louisville and 14 didn't even make the roster. Drawing Grant, he was a bust. And Sinquez Golston had all those injuries and never played a regular season snap for Pittsburgh. Um, so now I guess maybe they've had a change of philosophy. And let's look more at the tape and, and less the, the, at the stat line. And so then that takes us to Benny Snell, who, um, you know, I would say outside of Bush, this would be the rookie that you should be the most excited about. Um, you know, and, and really, when you again, when you kind of look at the Steelers' pre-draft trail, um, you know, they – we're bringing in for pre-draft visits like Mike Weber, you know, from Ohio State. Running, and then there was another guy out of Miami they brought in and um, another small school guy they brought in. And it was a lot of guys that were going to be seventh-round picks or undrafted rookies. And so that's where, you know, when I was doing my pre-draft write-ups and predictions and whatevers, I, I was – my thought process was, all right, well, the Steelers will, you know, probably wait till the seventh round and get their running back. Well – and this is what Mike Tomlin said when he was interviewed by ESPN the day of the draft. It was like, hey, you know, when you have a chance to get Benny Snell, you take Benny Snell. And, you know, he was getting asked about, you know, did you draft him with the thought of how, you know, how complimentary he was to James Conner or whatever. And Tomlin was like, no, again, it was about the player. So obviously the Steelers feel really high about Benny Snell. And I've talked to a coworker that covered him closely when he was at Kentucky and the one thing that the Josh Edwards said that's the you know 24-7 co-worker Josh says that you know speed was the thing that hurt Benny going out of college you know he's from Columbus my hometown um, but did not get highly recruited by Ohio State so he ultimately elected to go to Kentucky but he worked on his speed and he's a north and south guy he, he's a physical guy he didn't catch a lot of passes at Kentucky but he wasn't asked to he was asked to do more as a running back He's just your classic north-south physical running back. Uh, He's bigger than he looks. He's about 225 pounds. He's six foot one. He's a great size for a running back. Uh, And I think he's going to do things right away. 
And one thing Mike Tomlin really liked about him is attitude, his demeanor. He smiles a lot, but that that belies a tough competitor. Um, he is very, was very productive at Kentucky. He left the school as their all-time career rushing leader, even though he only played there three years. He was a part of a culture change. Kentucky obviously is a basketball school, but last year they had a 10-win season. They beat Ken, uh, Penn State in the Citrus Bowl. He was the game's offensive MVP, had over 100 yards in that game, a pivotal touchdown in that game, and uh, cap, really capped off his collegiate career the right way. So this is a guy that, that Stewart fans really should be excited about. Um, I think he will help the offense right away. I think they're going to try to implement him into the offense right away. And let's hope that this is the year that the Steelers finally go running back by committee approach because, you know, it seems like every year, with, with the exception of uh, Pittsburgh and 17, the Steelers always have injuries at the running back position. And some of that is inevitable. I mean, it's a position where you're getting a lot of carries, you're demanding a lot of attention, you're going to get hit a lot. Um, but, I mean, it's no secret the Steelers are not good at dispersing carries with their running backs. So let's hope that between Samuel, Snell, and Connor, they can do more of that moving forward, and, and I think they will. So um, Zach Gentry, conversely, is a guy I'm not very high on. But, you know, you never know. He's 6'8", 262 pounds. He only caught 49 passes, 317 yards, and four touchdowns in Michigan. So, you know, when you compare him to a Jesse James, which the Steelers kind of already had, Jesse James was was way more accomplished as a receiver at Penn State um, than Gentry was at Michigan. Um, you know, now how are they similar? They're both big, and they both are coming out early. They both went to Big Ten schools. Gentry, um, I believe, went to Michigan as a quarterback. Then he transferred over to tight end. Um, so he's still, you know, the Steelers expect him to continue to learn on learn the position. But I wouldn't expect a lot out of Gentry. Um, and, you know, they asked the Steelers, um, one of their coaches, their tight ends coach, they asked him if he's worried about coaching, uh, you know, a guy that's 6'8", and his answer was, you know, I coached Matt Spade, the Steelers' old tight end during their second Super Bowl run in 08. I mean, he was not that tall. He was maybe 6'5", 6'6", but in the ballpark. But I'm not that excited about him. Uh, But a guy I am really excited about is Sutton Smith, and he was their second six-round pick. Um, this is someone that went to Northern Illinois to play on the offensive side of the ball. And after, you know, once he got there, he was told quickly that, that this isn't going to work. And then he switched over to outside linebacker and still really wasn't producing. Uh, and then the off season of 17 happened and he had a 6,000, I read he had a 6,000 to 7,000 calorie a day diet, that summer, put on weight, got himself in incredible shape, comes back, gets 14 sacks for Northern Illinois. What does he do for an encore in 18? He gets 15 sacks. So that's 29 sacks in two years. He was defensive MVP uh, of the Mid-American Conference Championship game. He led uh, the Huskies to that win, a MAC championship, and really left Northern Illinois on an unbelievable note. And to boot, he proposed to his now fiance in that game. There's a lot to be excited about with Sutton Smith. Um, and, again, you know, they, they weren't able to get the Michigan pass rusher earlier in the draft. But if Sutton Smith pans out, it'll be the steal of the draft. Um, and, really, the big question mark with him is whether or not he's going to be able to get over his small stature. Um, he's 6'1", 237. But as Kevin Colbert said shortly after the draft, 
you know, James Harrison's from the Mac. He was small. Look what he did. So they're hoping that they can get the same kind of uh, production out of Smith. But I will say this. When you look at, at, at the film of Smith from rookie minicamp, he, he is small. There's no way around it. He does not look like T.J. Watt. But that doesn't mean that he can't be an impactful guy. Um, he certainly was his last couple of years at NIU. So now we're at the home stretch of the draft picks. Isaiah Bugs, another guy a lot of people are high on, led Alabama in sacks last year with nine and a half. Um, not really sure why he fell in the draft, but he did. Uh, the Steelers were able to grab him. He also had two forced fumbles, 13 tackles for loss last year. So this is a guy that, I mean, for a pass rusher to get nine and a half sacks in the SEC conference is saying something. So, you know, they were able to, to, to steal Bugs late in the draft. And he's a guy that a lot of people are really high on. And the Steelers did need some young blood on the D-line. I mean, Cameron Hayward's 30 now. Tewitt's pushing 30. Um, you know, Alu-Alu, their best backup's 32. So, you know, they needed some youth at the D-line. And let's hope that Bugs can give them that depth. Uh, then they go get Ulysses Gilbert the third, And this is a guy I honestly, to be transparent, haven't done a lot of homework on. Um, you know, he, he was very productive at uh, Akron. You know, 357 tackles, almost 30 for loss, eight F sacks, three forced fumbles, three interceptions during his three years at Akron. So he was productive. And, again, um, you know, listening to the Steelers talk about him in general, um, he could be a depth guy. He'll, he'll be playing a lot of special teams if he makes the 53. And uh, he's, just, he's just depth. He's young depth that, again, kind of fits the new era of – inside linebackers, maybe just not as talented um, coming in and, and whatnot as a Devin Bush, obviously. So the last pick was Dar- Derwin Gray. So they go offensive line again uh, in the draft, uh, later in the draft. They got Okora four. Well, actually, he was a third-round pick. And then in 16, uh, they got Hawkins in the fourth. So they waited longer in this year's draft. They get uh, Darwin Gray. He was a starter. Um, at Maryland, 6'5", 330 pounds. And um, the Steelers, I mean, I'll never doubt their ability to get linemen. I mean, Hawkins has been injured, so that's kind of been the case with him. But it just seems like whoever the Steelers get uh, lately uh, for their O-line, it it works. So um, I I know they did lose Munchik, but Sarrett's worked under him for years. Everybody seems like they like the way uh, Sarrett operates. So, um, you know, like Gilbert, don't know a ton about him. Um, but he's he's a uh, comes in experienced you know veteran lineman that played in a Big Ten conference and played against a lot of talented teams like Ohio State, Michigan State, Wisconsin, and whatnot. So you know really overall too when when you look at the uh, global analysis of the Steelers draft, they they're getting a lot of B B pluses. Um, I think people overall uh, are high on their roster going into this season. Um, it's not over yet, as I said that they just had their. Um, you know, rookie mini camp, so they've, they've signed a couple of guys, um, you know, from that camp. I mean, will any of them actually make the 53? I mean, I don't know. I mean, they had two that made it last year, but there's only one uh, still on the team. Uh, the quarterback situation going into camp is going to be interesting to me um, because, you know, they have Del- Delvin Hodges that just beat out Roback at the rookie mini camp. Um, will this guy. Now, he won the Walter Payton Award playing for Sanford last year. And the Walter Payton Award for the FCS level is the equivalent of the Heisman Trophy. So he definitely comes in as an accomplished passer. Had two 4,000 yard seasons at Sanford. He had a third season that was just under 4,000 yards. Threw a ton of touchdowns. Um, very accomplished player there. 
Um, will he actually be on the roster when the season starts? Probably not, but will probably be on the practice squad. Um, he'd have to beat out Dobbs or Mason. Mason's not going to be on the practice squad, so he'd have to pretty much beat out Dobbs. My big question is, is Dobbs going to, and Mason, are they going to be able to compete for the number two spot? Last year going in, it was pretty much understood that Mason was only going to be, he was going to be the number three. That was it. His job was to learn from Feetner and learn from Ben, and, and that was really it, and observe and study and watch and work on repetitions and practice. Um, you know, Dobbs got the fight with Landry to be the number two. He beat Landry. He was the number two. I, this year, would like to see those two compete uh, and see what happens. I think competition's always good at all those levels. Um, yeah, but overall, I, I like what the Steelers did. Um, I think that, you know, they they replaced Brown with more depth. I mean, obviously, Juju and Brown, I mean, you could say last year they were the best receiving duo in the NFL, and no one was going to argue with you. Um, losing that hurts. I, I, there's no, there's no way around it. I mean, you think about how many great plays Brown made for the Steelers, uh, the last couple of years. I mean, plays that, that won them football games. Uh, it's staggering. Um, so they lose that and that hurts, but you know, you get a veteran presence like Moncrief Juju. Um, he proved last year he can get the job done. So, you know, I, I know that Brown took attention away from him and whatnot, but Juju, he's going to be fine. Um, It'll be a little bit harder for him. There's no question, but he'll figure it out and he'll still have a productive season next year. He's not going to fall off a cliff. Um, You know, so I I think the receiver position is going to be fine. I mean, and that's, I think a reason why you you had to go get a Moncrief. You needed a guy that, that you knew was a a solid veteran. You you couldn't gamble on another, you know, project like a Justin Hunter. You needed somebody that was, that was more accomplished than that. So I, I really like that pick. You know, he grew up, and his dad's a lifelong Steeler fan. He's a tough, hard-nosed guy. He, he's been at the facilities constantly. He's bought into the culture. Him and Steven Nelson have bought into the culture. They've been at all of their, you know, voluntary practices. The Steelers in general have had unbelievable uh, attendance at these voluntary practices. Um, you know, you see Juju there. You see Ben there. You see Watt there. You see Chicolo, Pouncey, Hayden. I mean, you name it, they're there, you know. So that's really encouraging to see. They're hungry. They're motivated. I mean, I didn't even talk about Vance McDonald. I mean, and, and I think, you know, he's been at the facility a ton. Artie Burns has been at the facility a ton. So, you know, a guy that's not worried about the noise, he's just worried about getting better. So, you know, I think the overall vibe around this team is really good. I mean, even Tomlin said it at the draft, you know, during the draft, and it, and it got a lot of um, volume. He said, uh, We've kind of gone through a cleansing period, and I don't. Want to, I don't think that was a diss about Le'Veon and Antonio. I think it's just the truth. You need guys that are all in, that are mainly focused on winning, and are focused on being a team. And I think that that was lacking uh, over the years. And I think the contract disputes and some of the drama that, as great as Brown was, the drama that came with him, I think it, it became too much. So, um, are things going to be perfect? Absolutely not. It never is. There's going to be drama. There's, I mean, it's inevitable with, with a pro sports team, especially one that's, that's covered as, as closely as the Steelers are and as widely, so including this medium. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it won't be perfect, but I, I, I think that they are in great shape going into this year, as great a shape as you can be losing a guy like Antonio. I don't, I don't really even count Bell because he wasn't on the team last year. So, um, so what to look forward to now? Uh, they're they're in phase two of their voluntary workouts. 
phase three is coming up. And then uh, in about a month, they'll be in mandatory minicamp, veterans minicamp from uh, May 11th to the 13th. Uh, and then after that is when you really do get an off season. Uh, between that date and training camp, there's about five weeks where the Steelers go away. And there shouldn't be any news. And uh, that's when most reporters, if they haven't taken a vacation, they take one. And that's when I will hope to be taking one as well. Uh, not much, I don't think, to really look out for in minicamp. Um, you know, I think it'll be cool to see you know, Ben throw to some of his new weapons and work with Benny Snell for the first time. It'll be interesting to see if their new quarterback can actually make some waves. Uh, Sutton Smith and his, uh, you know, what he does and the evolution and continued growth of Devin Bush. So those are things to look at. And Steven Nelson, I mean, even though he comes in with some good stats from last year, I mean, Kansas City's pass defense was not regarded high. I mean, anybody that watches the watch the AFC Championship game, I mean, they weren't making plays late in that game. So, I think Nelson still has something to prove, even though, um, you know, he's coming over with a three-year deal. So, uh, in general, this is a really hungry team, collectively uh, and as a unit. So, I'm really excited to see what this team does this year. And um, But, yeah, a lot to look forward to. I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope uh, the one-man show, I was trying to get somebody to join me, but I hope you guys are okay with the one-man show. I honestly didn't know how long I was going to go on this podcast. I just was going to just roll and see how long I was going to talk. Uh, it looks like it's going to end up being about 45, 50 minutes. So enjoyed you guys listening. Um, and, yeah, I think the Steelers overall are in really good shape. I mean, roster-wise, they have a chance. And, again, it's crazy saying this after losing Shazier, Brown, and Bell. Um, this could be – their best roster uh, in quite some time, maybe since Super Bowl 45. Uh, but we'll see. That's on paper. They have to get it done on the field. And, and there's a lot of young guys with some question marks, so they need to fill those question marks. And uh, uh, if they do, there's a lot of potential here. And, and if not this year, I think that, that the window's open. I mean, Ben's got at least three years left. Uh, you know, they could have blew this thing up after last year. And I think a lot of fans wanted them to just because they were upset after the way last year ended, not going to the playoffs. But it's clear that Colbert believes this nucleus, you know, Watt, Pouncey, Ben, Juju, James Conner, others, Joe Hayden, Hayward, you know, this collective group can still win a Super Bowl. They just needed some more pieces, and they went, and, and, and I think they got some really good ones. And uh, it's going to be exciting to see this new team come together. Uh, it always is, and I think this one is going to come together well. So, Thanks again for listening, and for all your news on the Steelers, keep it locked on Steelers on 24-7 Sports. So long.